Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. Lord, as we encounter you this morning, the one who is unchanging, the one who was and is and is to come, our response also, Lord, is to bow and to worship, to offer you our hearts, Lord, the worship of our hearts, the meditations of our minds, Lord, meet with us this morning and speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Wow, good morning and uh, welcome. Just been just great this morning. I love baptisms and uh, great to be able to witness those this morning and uh, just sense a real, uh, just a real joy actually, just in... um, in the things that were shared and uh, just a joy in the heart of God. Wonderful to see the way that God continues to change lives. Well, this morning uh, we continue our series, Walking with God, uh, looking at the life of Moses and uh, looking specifically at the heart of God as it's revealed in this passage. And uh, just a great message from uh, Graham Maybury last Sunday. You might recall Moses grappling with his own inadequacy, his own uh, sense of shortcomings And uh, we'll touch on that again today. But let it be said that at this point in the story, we see that Moses is not going to win any popularity contests amongst his people. Uh, Ever since he opened his mouth with those faltering lips of his, in obedience to the Lord's calling, things have just got steadily worse for he and for the Israelites, uh, for whom things were already very bad very bad for them in slavery and um, maybe you can relate to that in a sense you know maybe there have been times when you are eagerly trying to follow the Lord's promptings trying to do the right thing trying to immerse yourself in the word uh, trying to pray fervently and even with all of that things just steadily get worse in your life and in your experience and uh, you start to think well what's the point of all of this if my life just gets worse. Well, that was Moses' experience. And uh, as we heard last week from Graham, Moses, uh, he's already made it abundantly clear to the Lord that he, he doesn't want this job. He's full of self-doubt. I think you've got the wrong bloke, Lord. I have a speech impediment. I, I stutter when I'm nervous. 
pretty sure I'm not your man. It's, uh, it's as though the Lord has presented Moses with this position description. Moses has taken one look at it and said, well, that's ridiculous. This is a ridiculous set of circumstances. I can't do that. He's exasperated. And then we have, of course, that famous line from Moses where he says, please, Lord, can you send someone else to do it? Inspiring leadership, isn't it, from Moses? You know, uh, if, uh, if I were writing the Bible, and I do understand that's a strange way to start a sentence, I would have taken a different approach, wouldn't you? I would have written about a bold and powerful leader, you know, someone who by their very presence instills confidence in others, someone with extraordinary faith and courage to inspire, someone you look at and say, wow, look at that guy, I want to be more like that. Someone who in the face of impossibly difficult circumstances immediately and selflessly says, yes, Lord, whatever you say, that's what I'll do. Wherever you lead, that's where I'll go. Follow me, everyone. I have a 10-year plan from the Lord. Who's with me? Well, you know, it's always fascinated me that the biblical characters that God chooses are generally men and women who at least initially don't tick any of the boxes you find in the best-selling Christian leadership books. I've read a stack of those books and uh, mostly they leave me feeling inadequate and coming to the conclusion that actually I'm not much of a leader at all. But I can relate to Moses. And in particular, I can relate to his reluctance and his sense of inadequacy. And here's what I've learned over 30 years of ministry, hopefully continue to learn, and it's this. If you genuinely believe that you don't have much to offer in and of yourself, number one, and number two, deep down you also believe that nothing is impossible for God. If you can marry those two things together, let me say you are perfectly positioned to be used by God as a conduit, as a channel for His grace for his power, for his mercy, for his love, a conduit of his very heart. You know, uh, Mother Teresa, we all know about Mother Teresa, when asked about her extraordinary work amongst the poor, she had this to say. She said, I don't claim anything of the work. It's his work. I'm like a little pencil in his hand. That's all. He does the thinking. He does the writing. The pencil has nothing to do it. The pencil has only to be allowed to be used. Well, Moses has not yet come to that level of understanding at this point in his life. I'm not sure that I have either, but um, we have a reading this morning. It's from Exodus 5 and goes into Exodus 6. So uh, let me read that for us this morning. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's brought trouble on this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they have resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Well, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses, again, inspiring. Moses said to the Lord, Well, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Since I speak with faltering lips. Back to the faltering lips thing again. Moses. Well, in those opening couple of verses... Moses' words have a, a certain tone about them, don't they? The kind of tone you hear from a parent who's chastising a young child. You know, it was this one. You haven't been listening to me, Lord. Pay attention. Try and keep up. You can almost picture Moses waggling his finger at God in disappointment. And actually the nuance in the Hebrew in verse 22 is, first of all, uh, this is your fault, Lord. This is your fault. And secondly, why in the world have you sent me into this mess? Ever since I went to Pharaoh like you told me to, there's been nothing but trouble. But Lord, you haven't rescued your people at all. Many of us have been in that place where we feel that sense of disappointment with God. If I were to do a poll this morning and say, who amongst you have felt a sense of disappointment in God at some stage in your life, I would imagine close to 100% of us would put up our hands. Times when we've prayed for certain things to happen or not to happen and things have not gone as we've wanted them to. Things have not eventuated as we'd hoped that they would. How do we make sense of that? How do we find the faith to keep going? Well, uh, I don't claim to have all the answers to those difficult, often painful questions, but I know that part of the answer is for us to further understand the heart of God, which is our focus today. And what I want to share is three aspects of the heart of God revealed in this passage. And first is the heart of God is to be present with his people. And for Moses... The most vital lesson from the Mount Horeb uh, burning bush experience, the encounter that he had, was this promise, I am the Lord 
and I will be with you. That lesson hasn't sunk in yet for Moses. And I'd suggest that for some of us, including me, there are times when that profound truth has not yet sunk in. Moses wants the Lord to click his fingers and make the trouble stop. He wants the struggle to end. He wants the suffering to cease. He wants the pain to go away. He wants everything to be neatly tied up in a bow immediately. We all want that. But here's the problem. Moses wants to quickly zap something in the microwave, but God is getting the slow cooker out of the cupboard. (laughs) Moses is looking for an immediate five-minute solution, as so often we are, but God has an initial 40-year plan, followed by a 1,500-year lead-up to the birth of Christ, followed by a 2,000-plus-year plan of opportunity for God's people to be rescued. This is the grand, long-term salvation history plan of God to rescue not just the Israelites from their immediate slavery, but to rescue all of humanity, all who would be saved from their slavery to sin and brokenness, a plan that actually involves you and me here in 2022. But five minutes into that 4,000-year plan, Moses is waggling his index finger at the Lord. You haven't rescued your people at all. You don't seem to know what you're doing. You, the eternal, unchanging God of all things, with your four or five thousand year plan. Moses has a problem of perspective. And very often so do we. The eternal God has appeared to Moses in this miraculous, spectacular way at the burning bush and issued this extraordinary promise. I will be with you. I am with you. See, that's no small thing. The one who is revealed as I am, as we've been singing, he who was and is and is to come. I was who I was. I am who I am. I will be who I will be for all eternity. The everlasting, unchanging, eternal God of all things says, I am with you. You, I'm with you. I'm right here with you in this thing that you're going through. I will be with you always. I will never leave your side. This is no small thing. Exactly the same thing as Jesus says. Jesus who is the same yesterday and today and forever. The very same I am, the same God says to his disciples and says to each one of us, Lo, I am with you. I am with you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's no small thing. 
I've had my disappointments over the years. I've had grief. I've had things that haven't gone as I'd hoped. I've things that aren't going as I'd hoped even today. But knowing that the eternal God is with me somehow helps when I can begin to get that eternal perspective. Somehow that helps. He's with me. He's with you. Second, the heart of God is to be faithful to his promises. You know, Moses is in that place, he's in that place where God has promised but has not yet delivered, which is the reason for his disappointment. It's the very definition, actually, of spiritual disappointment. God has promised, but he's not yet delivered. What are you doing, Lord? You haven't rescued your people at all. He's exasperated. And very gently and patiently, the Lord says, Moses, remember back. Remember that I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty. I made a covenant with them. What he's saying to Moses is, remember back over history, your own history, and even before you were born. And of course, Moses was very familiar with all this history. After all, uh, he was the one who wrote the book of Genesis. He's, he recorded those stories, those wonderful stories about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph from hundreds of years earlier in the history of the people of Israel. Remember, Moses, remember. And so it is for me, during those times when I feel a sense of disappointment with how things are in the present, it somehow helps me to look back through a lens of faith. Look back through a lens of faith and remember the ways that God has been faithful to me in my life. I remember my very first introduction to the gospel and those first tentative steps of faith as a young child. I remember the many miraculous ways the Lord's provided for me and for my family over the years. I remember back to times of worship when I've sensed the closeness of the presence of God with me. Even if I don't sense it right now, I remember so many examples of answered prayer for God's protection over my life, for God's faithfulness, for God's grace, for his favour, for his glory to somehow shine through in difficult circumstances. I remember, I remember. And what happens is that remembering God's past faithfulness creates in me a sense of gratitude and a sense of faith for the present and a sense of hope for the future. I may not be able to fully understand what God's doing right now or why he seems to be silent or inactive or taking so long. Why are you taking so long? But I can remember his faithfulness from the past and determine to trust him in the present. So, he's present with his people. He's present with us. He's faithful to his promises. Number three, thirdly, the heart of God is to be responsive to our pain. Verse 5 says, Yes, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I've remembered my covenant. 400 years. That's how long it's been. 400 years 
of slavery, 400 years of groaning, of crying out to the Lord. And it does beg the question, I think the question that Moses asks seems a reasonable one. Why, Lord? Why didn't you come to their aid after one year of groaning? 400 years. Why didn't you come after one year of groaning? Or one month? Or one day of suffering for some of us is enough? Why aren't you helping me after one minute of suffering? Why, Lord? So I don't know the answer to that question. seems like I'm not being all that helpful this morning. Other than to say that we know, of course, that God very often has a vastly different time frame to us and a full and comprehensive and complete perspective on the world and on our circumstances that we don't have with our limited perspective. But if you've ever been in the midst of something intensely difficult in your life, and cried out to God, why, Lord, why is this happening? What are you doing? Why are you allowing this? Then let me say, uh, you're in good company. Things clearly weren't going very well for David, for example, when he wrote Psalm 6. My bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Listen to this. I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. David's not having a great time in this season of his life. We're not sure how long that went for. What about this in Psalm 13, which we'll put up on the screen? How long, Lord? I love these psalms, actually. (laughs) I never used to as a young kid. I'd just skip over these these psalms and get to the good bits. As I've gotten older, these psalms have more meaning. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day, have sorrow in my heart. And I know some of you are thinking, yep, I know what that's about because you're describing my life. It's the anguish of relief not yet granted, the anguish of prayers not yet answered, the anguish of the promises of God not yet fulfilled. Well, it's not a trite throwaway line to say that the eternal God, I am, 
is with you in your pain and the heart of God is responsive to your pain, he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't abandoned you. He doesn't disregard you or dismiss your pain. He sees, he hears, he understands, he feels. Why does he delay? We don't know. But he understands, he sees, he feels, and he's with you. You know, I'm often astonished at the way David finishes that short psalm, having started with that desperate cry, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Just a few verses later, he says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. So I don't quite know what's happened between verses 1 and verse 5. I don't expect David's circumstances have changed, but somehow his mindset has. And it seems that David has had some kind of revelation of the goodness and faithfulness of God. And maybe that's what you need today. God's heart and his nature are eternally unchanging. He is still today for you. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Lord, we thank you that you are present with your people. We thank you that you are faithful to your promises. We thank you that you are responsive to our pain. A God of compassion and grace. Eternally patient with us and loving towards us. And Lord, we pray this morning particularly for those who are in the depths of despair those who, like David and like Moses in a sense, are in a place of just questioning God and not being able to see how things can possibly work out. Lord, we pray for each one of those folk, a fresh sense of revelation of your goodness, of your presence, of your ultimate faithfulness to your promises of the deep truth that you are not only present with us, you are responsive to our pain. And so we continue to cry out to you, Lord, perhaps not understanding fully why you don't click your fingers and just fix things right now. But Lord, whatever it is you're wanting to teach us in the midst of these circumstances, we pray that we would learn those lessons that you have for us. Deepen our understanding, Lord of your purposes. Deepen our awareness, we pray, of your presence with us. We thank you, Lord, that you revealed in Jesus Christ our Emmanuel, God, with us. For these things, Lord, we give you thanks. Amen. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.